Good morning, everyone. How are everybody doing? You guys doing good? Happy New Year. I hope you guys have had a good year so far. Everybody kind of getting back in the groove a little bit. My name is Pastor Derek. If you don't know who I am, I want to welcome you to Connect Community Church. If you're here for the first time, uh, we're so glad that you're here. In fact, I want to also welcome our online and cable viewers. Can you just join me in welcoming those that are joining us online? So God bless you. Thanks for watching. You can get your worship guide out and you can follow along with us this morning as we navigate a new series entitled Text. Kind of what is God's message to us? What has he already written to us? What would happen if you got a message from God? Well, the truth is we already have got a message from God in his word. Can I have an amen? amen. And I'm so excited to talk to you about this um, series, really. Not even just this message. So this will be very sequential, very systemic, kind of uh, week upon week and um, you know, the Bible is my favorite book I've ever read in all of my life, and uh, it is the most popular book in human history. Uh, no, no, no book has uh, had more copies made than the Bible itself. So the Bible is just an incredible book, and my goal is to get you as passionate about the Bible as I am. And so the first half of, uh, you know, today is going to be a little bit of theology, which I think will be very interesting theology too, and the second half will be very practical. And then over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to deal with things like, you know, um, some of the tough questions about the Bible uh, that I know a lot of you guys have, and we're going to try to figure out what some of those are and then how to navigate those. We're, we're going to really talk, you know, I'll get to this a little bit later, but um, I'm working right now on how to teach you how to study the Bible. Uh, how many be interested in like, you know, how do I unpack some of those things, those tough questions, and what do I do, how do I take it to the next level beyond reading it? Is anybody interested in that, like how to even study the Bible? So, you know, sometimes, um, not so that you could necessarily present a message, but that you can be able to receive a message from the Word of God. You know, how to, you need to know how to kind of interpret Scripture, and there'll be some like great biblical tools for you there as well. So I'm really excited about this. But it gets a lot of bad press. You know, the Bible is like one of those books sometimes that is misunderstood, misinterpreted, interpreted, uh, definitely mishandled, uh, and frankly, it's just missed. <laughs> people don't like, people don't see it, they're not listening to it, they're not reading it, and uh, it sometimes is like in a box somewhere on a shelf, and uh, it's not good, and, and God wants it to be really important in our lives, not something we pretend is important, but really is important. It reminds me of a pastor who was visiting, he was doing like a, a house visit because there was somebody in his church that had been ill, and so he went by the house to kind of pray with somebody and encourage them. And as he gets to the house, the father answers the door and says, come on in, pastor. And so come on into the den. And so he, the, the father pulls him into the den. They both sit down. And the father, in order to try to impress the pastor, says to his son, son, go get dad's favorite book, thinking he's going to bring the Bible. <laughs> but he brings back a Victoria's Secret catalog. How many know that's not a good start to the visit with the pastor? Yeah, hashtag not good. <laughs> so we want to make the Bible literally your favorite book as we go forward in this series. Can I have an amen? So look at your worship guide. If you open that up, there's going to be some, some things that you can take notes. And, and, uh, if, and if you're taking notes, that's where you put that down. If you're not taking notes, go ahead and take notes. Uh, that'll help you out. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16. This is so cool. It's got a practical and powerful element right inside this kind of series theme text. All scripture is inspired. All scripture is inspired by who? By God. That word inspired in the original language is like, it means it's God breathed. Theos, nous, it came from 
God's his breath, his air, his nostrils, it, it's, 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 alive. it's alive. It has breath to it. And, and we believe as Christians, and I'll unpack this as we go forward, that the word of God is, is inspired. We believe it's from him. We believe it's inerrant. It's, it's without error. We believe it's infallible, which means it's something you can trust. You can kind of like, you can cash the check on it. And so it's important. But in this verse, it says, all scripture is inspired by God. And look at the practical part now. So we go from powerful to practical. And it is useful for teaching, for showing people what is wrong in their lives. In other words, the word of God, when you read it, it is not a window. It's a mirror. It's, for, it's to help you go, oh, hey, course correction. Oh, I need to get over here. You know, I'm going too far to the left. It's useful for teaching, showing people what is wrong, for correcting faults, and for teaching us how to live right. Using the scriptures, in other words, applying them to your life, the person who serves God will then be capable, having all that is needed, all that is needed for every good work. How many know that's a pretty good book, right? So this is a powerful book. So as we begin 2017, I hope that you are like, you're, you're kind of set your trajectory. Listen, I think it's really important to kind of pull away a little bit in the first part of the year and establish kind of uh, your, you know, where you want to be a year from now. If, you're, if you haven't done that, you still have time to do that. It's the first part of the year. I think if you, if you don't have goals or objectives, uh, you can't progress. You can't move forward. So you need to establish goals. So, you know, uh, about a month and a half ago, established kind of some ministry goals. And then just in this last couple of weeks, just started establishing personal goals. And then started talking them out with my wife. We were just away recently and kind of working those things out together. Now we're kind of praying them kind of into our spirit in this, this fasting period that we're in for this 21-day period. So my goal is to have goals, but to be able to accomplish those. And you're not going to just accomplish those by just showing up on Sundays, though that is very, very important and sitting under the Word. But it's by getting on uh, a spiritual journey. That's really what we're trying to do at Connect, is take you on a spiritual journey. And oftentimes, we make a claim here at Connect that if you'll give us one year of your life, that was an 11, if you'll give us one year of your life, one year of your life, where you jump in, where you give an all play, all in, get into the, this is not the best word, but the programming, like get with the program, be in church on a regular basis, make it a priority, get into small groups and get into community where you interact and work things out, get in, go to the, the, the different things that we have, the, the prayer meetings, get, get a mentor, go to the marriage retreat, all these things that we do, get a part of that. When you are at the end of 2017 and you look back, if you were all in, you'll say it was the best year of my life. You'll say it's the best year of my life. Why can I say that with 100% confidence? Because you are a spiritual being having a human experience. So that means if you make your, your goals to grow spiritually your top priority, it'll be your best year ever. It'll be your best year ever. Listen, this life, it's a mist. Sometimes we're, we're, we're living for the scratch. We are living for, you know, if, if I rolled out a hose a garden hose, and I put a scratch on it. You're living for the scratch against the backdrop of eternity. Okay, so to maximize this scratch, live with an eternal perspective in your life. Can I have an amen? amen. C.S. Lewis says it like this. He says, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. You'll get neither. So spiritual life, want to have your best year yet? Make spiritual life your priority. So, so we started a 21-day uh, uh, prayer kind of and fasting vigil. We've been doing this for many, many years at Connect. It just, 
I don't know how to explain it, guys. I know for some of you it seems like this elite discipline. It's really a fundamental in the Christian experience. If you read in the Bible, it's, it's like basics. It's like elementary. If you go to elementary school of Christianity, they would teach you fasting and prayer. So it's not, not meant to be this elite thing. But I can tell you, if you'll dig in just a little bit past your, your, your information that you have right now. Some of you, the first question you ask is, what do I have to give up? You know, you think punitive instead of think powerful. You think it's all about what, you know, I can't have Hershey kiss cookies and Entenmann's Danish. That's really tough. I admit that. But, but it's not about what you're giving up. It's not about undernourishing. It's about overnourishing your spirit. It's about replacing and, and, and subordinating body and mind to spirit. That's what fasting does. And so I invite you to join us into just this, this season that we're in. My wife and I were just saying this the other day. We're like, why don't we do this year-round? I feel so good, and I feel so close to God right now. Does anybody want to feel like that? Like, there's nothing better than being in right standing with God, where your, your fellowship is intimate, and it is fresh, and it's alive. And that can happen as quickly as in just a couple of days, just recalibrating and committing your life to prayer and fasting. Now, one of the things that happens when you pray and fast is you pray. It's not prayer and feasting, by the way, in the season. It's prayer and fasting, okay? Uh, we'll get to prayer and feasting in the fall. <laughs> but, but prayer is kind of when you're talking to God, for the most part. But what I want to say is when you read the word, that's when God talks to you. And if I had to counsel you or advise you, if there was a choice between one or the other, and you can only do one, I would tell you, you need the word of God. You give us this day our daily bread. We need the word of God to be able to stay healthy, to be able to stay nourished, because the best, really the best resolution you can make is to make the word of God a priority. And that's why we're starting with the series uh, this morning. Can I have an amen again? Now, look in your notes in John chapter 1. This is a really important text. I'm going to give you kind of, again, some of the theology and then some of the practical. So this is, this is some of the why the Word of God is important and what happens as well. John 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was there in the beginning, okay? God calls himself the Word. You'll see in just a second. In other words, before there was, before there was printed, pressed Bible, there was the Word. The word of God existed before you had it on print on, or digitized version on your phone or, or a printed Bible in your hand. The word existed in the beginning. It was always there, okay? And it says, and the word uh, was with God and the word was God. So basically God and the Bible, look at that, they're, they're, they're interchangeable. They're the same thing. You cannot separate. So if you want to get to know God, get to know your Bible. Get to know your Bible because God... And, and the word are the same. Can I have an amen? But the problem is it's very difficult for some of us. And so that's why Jesus went out of his way and he did different things. One was he sent his son into the world. He sent his son into the world to say the word of God. In fact, in John 14, 31, he says, I, I, I must let the world know that I love the father and I do exactly what he tells me to do. In other words, I'm going to just say what he tells me to say and I'm going to do what he tells me to do. So Jesus came from heaven to earth to say it, but he also came from heaven to earth to live it. And this is something that will help you. Jesus is good doctrine. Jesus, he says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, capital T, truth and the life. So he is the perfect application of truth and the perfect embodiment of truth. If you want to understand how to live it, not just hear it, you study Jesus. 
You do what Jesus did. In fact, this year, I'm not actually doing a one-year Bible like what I've done in the past. I'm doing just the Gospels. I'm just going to read, you know, those 89 chapters, a certain number, of like three or four chapters a day, about 15 minutes a day, because I'm just going to do the Gospels. You know why? Because I want to get more Jesus in me in 2017. I've read cover to cover, and if you haven't done that, I recommend you do that, but I've done that many times, so I just want to get more Jesus because I want to know not just what I believe, but in whom I have believed. I don't want to know just what I believe, but how to apply what I believe, and Jesus is the perfect example of that. I get excited just talking about it. It's just it's awesome, okay? So then, so it's difficult to understand. That's why Jesus did what he did. John 1.14, look in your notes. It says, the word then became flesh. So the word who was there in the beginning, so Jesus, just so you know, before he came to earth and became human, he was the word. He existed as the word. So when God spoke, what did he speak? G- the word, Jesus. It's interesting. You guys' brains are getting... Probably going to do Anyway, we'll interpret that in a minute. But the word becomes flesh and then made his dwelling amongst us. So he was our example. He was our role model. And while he's here, he made all these claims. And he made these claims and he spoke these things and he said these things. And you know what? Many people believe because there was Jesus in the flesh. And if Jesus was here in the flesh, you probably would believe a lot of things he said. You'd follow him because he said something and then he did it. I would follow Jesus just because he said he was going to die and rise again, and he did it. I don't, you know, his teachings are secondary to the fact that he did something and he followed through on it. He backed up what he said, right? That's one of the reasons I follow Jesus. So if Jesus were here, you'd have no problem with that. But it's interesting. If Jesus and the word are the same, we should put our same confidence and trust in his word as we would as if Jesus was here. Mm. Yeah, turn to your neighbor and say, that's good preaching right there. Okay. So, so the Bible, God's holy writ, was authored by God. So he's the author. It was penned by man. And we'll get to that in the next couple of weeks and make it make sense to you. But when it was put out there originally in print, it was just this long text. And so translators came in, just so you know, broke it up into pieces, chapters, verses, semicolons, etc. And sometimes it's organized by a personality, a person, a John, a Luke, a Matthew. Sometimes it's organized by a people. Sometimes uh, somebody wrote multiple books like Moses and the Pentateuch. It's groupings and all that stuff. We're done so we could locate, understand, and grasp certain things better for us. But we'll get into that. Give me a few weeks to unpack some of that for you. But one of the claims that Jesus made, which I want to focus on today, is this theology. Look at this. John 6, 63 in your notes. It says, Jesus speaking, the words I've spoken to you are spirit and they are what? Life. Now, I want you to circle, underline that word spirit, okay? He's basically saying these are not normal words. These are not normal words. In fact, that word spirit is not in the original manuscript. When it was translated from the original language Greek into English, the word wasn't spirit. The word was pneuma, pneuma. P-N-E-U-M-A, pneumatic, pneumonia, different words we get today, pneuma. And, and so English sometimes is um, insufficient to be able to describe sometimes the, the full, fullness of the Greek language. And so basically, God is saying that the words that I've spoken to you, they are, they are pneuma. And pneuma is when God speaks, he accompanies his word uh, with power. So any word that God speaks is always accompanied by, the pneuma means the breath of God, the, the life of God, the breath of God, the breath for, for whatever he just said, 
Numa comes with that. Spirit for your and in your life. He never just says something, in other words, without giving you the corresponding power uh, inside that word to fulfill that word. Here's another example. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For uh, the word of God is what? Living, living. It's alive. I can remember my dad, he used to come in, you know, when I was a kid and torment me with this, with this, uh, this, this song. He used to sing the, the mash, the monster mash. He did the mash. He did the monster mash. Do you remember that? Somebody, anybody? This is a young crowd. Okay, I'm dating myself. And he did this little dance, and I was working in my lab waiting one night. And, and, then, and then he'd come in and go, it's alive! And he's talking about Frankenstein. It's the whole story of Frankenstein. And I have no idea how to correlate this to it's alive, but it just came into my head. So, It's alive! That's the first thing I thought of, so make it work. Okay, work with me. So, see how that works? See how that works? This is what happens. <laughs> Creativity can backfire. Uh, so the word of God, it's not dead. It's not like a dead body. It's, a, it's alive. And whatever his word spoken, it's always accompanied by power. It's like, he, I'm, I'm going to work in it. It's like electricity hit the dead body. Work with me, work with me, everybody, work with me. All right, so it says it's alive and it's active. In other words, it's not just a historical record, though it is. It's not just a compilation of powerful stories, though it is. It's God's word, and it's alive, sharper than any double-edged sword. In other words, it'll do surgery. It can, it can go deep into different parts of your life if you allow it, truth in the inner parts. It penetrates even to dividing soul from spirit. It's fancy language for saying it will get right into your thought life and cut through a lot of lies and bondage. Whoo, powerful. Joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts that you have and the attitudes or motives of your heart. In other words, you're not just getting information. You're getting the power with the information to separate those things from your life. That's, that's God's word. That's powerful stuff. So my job is to help you get as passionate about reading this, learning this, and, and really chewing on this as we'll conclude today. But how do you get there? How do you get past it being a book on a shelf, a boring thing, something I don't understand, it just, I just don't get it? Uh, I want to build a progression for you. So let me give you this progression to help you answer this question. And there's one element that if we had it would make the word come alive, and that is faith. Faith activates the word. Write that down. Faith activates the word. Now look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. This is an awesome verse. It says, For we also have had the gospel preached to us. Yep, just like you guys have, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not do what? They did not combine it with faith. Say it strong. With faith. So the word of God will have no value to you if you do not add faith to that. Why didn't I get anything out of this? That's why some people can come in and out of church and go, oh, that was a nice message. <laughs> he is, you know, he's sort of funny. He messed up on that whole living thing. <laughs> Frankenstein. You know, and you go out unchanged. Whereas somebody else can come in, hear the word of God, and it was like, oh, my gosh. Wow. Like, wow. Like, what just happened there? Like, they, they, they re both groups heard it. Only one group received it. Only one group received it. Only one was fed. Only one was led, but many people just, it just went in one ear and out the other because there was no faith with that. So how do you have faith? Here's the next step in the progression. Revelation activates faith. Big word, revelation. Revelation is that, is that aha, that eureka moment 
that, oh, I get it now. I can remember when I was in fifth grade math class, and the teacher would always try to get me, you know, <laughs> you know, looking stupid. And so he'd say, Mr. Fry, get to the board. And we'd always have to come up to the board and work our problems out in front of the entire classroom and look like an idiot. You know what I mean? One, and I just like make up stuff. I was just completely lost. Show us how you got your work. I don't know how I got my work. I got my work off Susie's paper, and I'm not sure how to show you that. <laughs> So I'd get up there, and I couldn't understand. It just wasn't making any sense. Do this and do that, and I because I was so like this. But when I backed away from the board, and then, and then I listened, and, and something would happen. All of a sudden, I'd go, oh, sometimes, not all the time, but you work with me here. <laughs> oh, I get it. See, God wants you to have, way better than that, a eureka, an aha moment to be able to understand and grasp his word. We need that revelation. And so the word has two words for the word. The word has two words to describe the word of God. And the two words are this. One, this isn't in your notes, I don't think, but it's logos and rhema. Logos, L-O-G-O-S. So I'm going to give you some big Greek here, Greek language. Logos is referring to the written word. It's just the words written on page. So you open up your Bibles, it's just words, just words on a page. And that's where most people in this room who don't read their Bibles on a regular basis are living. You are living at a logos level. And the next word, the word rhema, R-H-E-M-A, that's that revelatory level. That's that, oh, aha, I get it. Wow, heavy, revy. Like, that's the level that God wants you to live at and experience on a regular basis. Sometimes you come to church and you experience rhema. You receive it. You're like, oh, my gosh, I never saw the Bible like that before. And, and you walk away like, wow. I that's revelation, just so you know. But God wants you to have that in your daily devotion with him. God doesn't want just to have it. You're supposed to get it here. It's in a public, uh, uh, through a public gifting in a, in a public place, an assembly of the saints. But God wants you to have that in your daily devotion. Can I have an amen out there? And so in order, let me give you an example of what this revelation kind of looks like. We just came through the Christmas holidays. You guys know the story. Um, in Luke chapter 1, it talks about this in verse 34 and following. It's in your notes. But the angel of the Lord comes to this teenage girl named Mary. The angel Gabriel, he comes to this, this young girl, maybe 13 to 16 years old, most theologians say, and he, and he says to her, uh, you know, you're going to get pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and by the way, it's God. <laughs> what? And so she says, she says to the angel, how will this be? How will this be? In other words, at this point in the conversation with the angel, she didn't get it. She, she has not had a rhema. Word, she's only at a logos level word. Is everybody tracking with me out there? So, because she was not at a rhema level word, she questioned it. She says, Well, wait, that, that's it's not possible. I'm, I'm, I'm a virgin. I mean, how on earth is impossible? So, she's still at logos level. So, then the angel goes on and says to her, uh, He speaks to her and says, um, Mary asks the question of a virgin. The angel speaks and says, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And then suddenly at that moment, I think something inside of her has the eureka moment. It has that, that, that revelation. She's like, oh, it's not going to be like this. 
It's going to be like this, and the Holy Spirit's going to come upon me. And, and then the angel helps her out a little bit more, and he says this. This is so powerful. He says, for, look in your notes, for no word from God will ever fail. Now, just so you know, that word in that translation right there changes, and that word translated is the word rhema. Basically, what, what the angel is saying and what God is saying to you and me is, he's saying, Mary, if you could ever get what I am saying to you, it will actually happen. If you could get it, if you could know that truth, that truth would, would actually set you free. That truth would actually um, perform the miracle in you. And it was, I believe it was then that, that the revelation came to her. And then it goes on to say, you know, um, are you guys getting this, by the way? Because this is really powerful because it's so alive. Then she says, uh, she says, may your word, this rhema word, to me be fulfilled. And in that moment, she got pregnant. That's when she got pregnant. And so, see, the truth is, for you and I, if you, could, if you could believe if Jesus was here and he spoke something, you could be healed. If you could believe Jesus and his word were the same, and if you believed his word as if it was a rhema word, any word that could, would come to pass in your life and be fulfilled in your life. We have to receive it like it actually is a rhema. The spirit of God, the breath of God is on that word. Whoo, I don't know. I need that for myself, okay? So how do we get the Bible to come alive? Faith. How do we get faith? Revelation. So how do we get revelation? Number three, this is huge. Meditation activates your revelation. Meditation activates your revelation. So you're going to have to sometimes spend a little bit more time on the word than just one pass over it. Sometimes we read the word and we just pass right on. I don't know about you, but I've read the word many, many times, but then sometimes I've come back to it and it spoke to me completely different. I've come back to it again. It spoke to me another way. Next time I went back to it. But God wants you sometimes to sit and, as my father would say, prink. You pray and think. And so you prink. And you get that? You prank on it for a while, and you ponder it, and you, you stew on it, and you chew on it. Look, look at what this word says in Joshua 1, 7. It says, do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate, circle that word, meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will, as a result of doing those things, then you will be prosperous and successful. If you want to have the most prosperous and successful year, 2017, then you need to meditate on the word day and night, and you need to, and you need to do what it says, be careful to do what it says, and it'll be your best year yet. That's what the word is saying. That's the word is saying to us. But that word meditate, the he, it's a Hebrew word there, because we're in the Old Testament now. That word meditate... Uh, a simple word would be ruminate. It's not a simple word, but a one-word response would be ruminate. But the Hebrew language is very elaborate, very, uh, it takes sometimes a paragraph to describe one word. It's very pictorial. And the picture for this word meditate in Joshua 1 is of a cow chewing its cud. Anybody ever seen a cow chewing grass? Yes or no? Raise your hand. Some of you don't want to admit it, but you have. You spent a lot, of, you were cow tipping. Anyway. But, but if you ever saw a cow chewing its cud, you know, it's like, everybody has permission now to chew. Let's all chew. You know, if we all do it, it's not disgusting. And so the cow's chewing the grass, and then all of a sudden, it swallows it, right? But it doesn't end there, does it, everybody? No, it doesn't. That cow goes, and it just kind of vomits that back up. I know, this is the word. I didn't make this up. This is the word, okay? So don't be mad at me, ladies. And so it, 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 it regurgitates that. Why? Because the cow realizes that there are still essential nutrients within that that need to be ruminated, chewed over and over and over again. That's the word in here. If you will take your devotional life 
to that level where you will chew and stew and ruminate and, and kind of regurgitate that word. It has so much nutrients in that that many of us are missing, including myself, because we will not meditate on it. Meditation precedes revelation and then activates faith, and faith will change your life. Is everybody with me? All right, so that's the, that's the theology. But now let's like put it into practice so I understand how it works. Now show me how to put it to work. So we need a life that is actually built on God's word. In fact, Matthew chapter 7, it tells us that we need to have a foundation as Christ followers on God's word. This is the best way to start your new year. Matthew 7, 24, look at in your notes with me. It says this, these words I speak to you, they're not incidental additions to your life, just homeowner improvements for your personal standard of living. No, they are foundational words. Now, you might want to underline these next few words. Words to build your life on. If you work these words into your life, you assimilate them, that's kind of our job to process and assimilate them, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock. The scripture goes on to say storms are going to come. The winds are going to come. The seas are going to roar. Let me just tell you something. We live on planet Earth, and that's what's going to happen. There's going to be problems. There's going to be storms. There's going to be situations. The Bible tells us in this chapter that the person whose life is built on the Word of God will be able to withstand all of those storms and all those winds. But the one who does it will be washed away. So if you want to know how to handle life, I can't tell you there'll be no storms, there'll be no winds, there'll be no seas. No, there's going to be. But I can promise you this, if you will build your life on the word of God, you will overcome in this life. Can I have an amen? So here's, here's what makes that possible, and here's some prerequisites or qualifications for that. Number one, you must accept the word of God as authority in your life. I must accept its authority. In other words, your attitude towards the word of God will de- determine the outcomes with the word of God in your life. Is the word of God, is it just kind of a, a good book about a good man with some good ideas in it, or is it a rule book? Is it, is it a relationship guide? Is it a roadmap? Is it a life manual for you? Is it inspired, infallible, and errant in your life? God is basically saying, if you want to get what's out of it into you and then through you working, then you need to submit to its authority. You need to see it as authority in your life. Yeah, but Pastor Derek, some things don't make sense to me, and so I can't submit to something that I don't understand. Listen, I don't understand digestion, but I keep on eating. (laughs) I don't understand a lot of things, but I keep on doing them, so don't give me that. See, you, that, that's not really intellectual defensiveness. That is a spiritual defense against a spiritual opportunity that God wants to have in your life. So if, you know, if you don't, under, this is a profound, a seminary guy said this to me one time and it had to sink in a little bit. He said, Derek, if you don't understand something about God, it's because you don't understand. <laughs> what, what that means is it's on your end. It's not because he hasn't explained it or he's wrong. It's just because you don't understand. Is everybody getting with me? But it's through meditation, then getting revelation, and then receiving faith that you will begin to understand. You can't step back and say, well, I don't trust you until you show me everything. No, we have to decide to trust God, you know, and then su- and submit to his authority. In the process, boom, your eyes will open. You'll be able to see what you haven't been able to see. I'm just telling you, if you don't, you will struggle the rest of your life. You'll, just, you'll, you'll miss all the promises, 6,350 promises that are available for you and me as Christ followers if you can't submit to God and trust God that those promises are for you. Can I have an amen? amen. 
So, so you're living in, Pastor, we're living in 2017. Is it really relevant today? Culture's changing. I get that culture's changing, but the word of God remains the same. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I'm not going to move to culture. Culture's going to have to move to what his word says. Amen? Amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 says, We also thank God continually because when you received, that word received, dekomaye, it basically means you welcomed it like you didn't know the person. It was almost like they were a stranger to you, but you said, yes, come on in. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to know you. When you received the word of God like that, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a word from men, but actually as it is, the word of God, which is now at work in you who believe. Who believe. Amen. Number two, here's the next thing. I must assimilate its truths. Assimilate. That means you got to let it work in you. This, in other words, this isn't just a Sunday thing. See, if the only word you're getting on, is on Sundays, I'm worried about you. It, it, it'll be good for a little while. It'll be good for a little while because it's so new and it's so fresh and you've never had it before. And it's like hitting a dry and thirsty land where there's no water, no food. And, man, that little bit just, oh, just awesome. And you'll run to it. But at some point... At some point, that will not sustain you. You're going to need more. You're going to need living bread every day. You're going to need the water of the word every single day of your life. And so it's not just a Sunday thing. It's not even just, you know, an early morning thing where we just read, like, the logos. You just read that written word. It's just not just this, oh, I do it in my quiet time every single morning. Well, some of you, it's quiet time. It's too quiet. Like, it needs, it, needs, it needs more of that, that living part, that rhema part of it. And we'll help you with that. And that's why, because it's not just supposed to be you by yourself. It's supposed to be you with other people as well. Here's some other ways to kind of get it into you. Number one, by listening to God's word. How do you assimilate the truth? By listening to it. I think you and your new year need to make a systematic plan to be able to receive the word on a regular basis. If it is, in fact, as life-changing as Jesus claimed, and Pastor Derek's trying to tell us, then it should be a part of your plan for the new year. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. And, I, and I'm going to say something to the choir here, but maybe some people that are here for the first time. It, blo it blows me away how many people do not make sitting under the word in church a priority, a part of their value system blows my mind. I'm not saying that because I'm trying to build a big church. I was happy when we were like three or 400 people. I'm saying that to build a big you because the word of God is what's going to build you. And when you hear it, I know people who were sick their whole lives who literally just came to church and sat under the word and they got totally healed. I can introduce you to them. Okay, so I'm just telling you, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I would do this even if I wasn't a professional Christian. I did do this before I was a professional Christian, okay? Church is just a value. I go to church every Monday even after this. I go to somebody else's church, not physically, but I get online and receive from other pastors and overseers in my life. It's a value system. I don't just feed you. I want to make sure I'm fed. Is that everybody getting that? It was Jesus' custom to go to church. You read it in the book of Luke. Even his disciples went to church. So if Jesus did it, his disciples did it, come on, everybody, we ought to do it as well. Amen? So that's good. Here's the next point. By reading God's word. Reading it. Now, I think when you read it, it's a perspective for you. Read it like you're eating a meal. Like it's a meal. Like that's what I love about fasting and pr a prayer season because really a lot of what people are doing, not everybody, 
uh, is we are replacing our mealtime, our physical. We are undernourishing our body while we overnourish our spirit. So instead of just adding to, we're taking this out and we're putting this in. As a result, the spirit gets stronger while the body becomes weaker. So now the body's not leading, directing, and calling the shots. Now our spirit is taking over. Now our mind is not leading and calling the shots. I'm not being led by my loins and led by my feelings. I'm being led by my spirit because I'm nourishing my spirit. I'm reading God's word. Amen? So it's like a meal. Jesus called it the bread of life. Matthew 4, 4 in your notes says, man should not live by bread alone, but on every what? Word. Come on with me, everybody. But on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Now let me get even more specific for you. Here's, here's something I want to recommend. I want to recommend you get a paper Bible. Now this is, <laughs> this Bible is duct taped, Okay. Because this is my Bible since 1978. My parents gave me this in 1978. It is my Thompson Chain NIV, a reading and study Bible. I've had this a long time. People have offered to uh, have this physically bound for me, uh, you know, offered me money. I couldn't part with it. This, this is my Bible. Now, I, you may ask me a question sometime, where, where is that in the Bible? I don't, I don't know where it is, but I know where it is in this Bible. Because this is my Bible. I know, I know this Bible so much, but if you tell me to try to find something, you know, in a digital format, sometimes I'll struggle with that, but I can literally see it in my mind, and that's why it's on the left page, upside, yeah, upper left-hand corner, I think I got yellow marker right there, there's a little arrow that goes to this, because there's two other references back here in the concordance that I, that I, you know, a whole thing goes through my head, I've got notes and highlights, I hope my, one of my kids gets this when I, you know, if, if Jesus doesn't tarry, I, this would be one of the best gifts I could give to somebody, is my Bible, because it is so personalized for me. And so you need, I'm all for digital Bibles. I get it. I'm all for technology. Because of it, the world has had more downloads for Scripture than any other time in human history. It's awesome. But I was just studying studies on people who read the Bible, and when you do it on your, in a digital format, your ability to retain and understand diminishes. In fact, they say there's something connected between knowing how much is before you and how much is after you. Actually, the physical pages turning increases your retention and assimilation of that which you're reading when it's a paper Bible. And here, just, this is just another thought. A digital Bible is everybody's Bible, but a paper Bible is your Bible. So I love the Word of God, but I also love my Bible. So, so I'm okay if you don't bring this, this. This Bible for me stays at home. It's my personal study Bible. But I'm telling you, you need a paper Bible. Introduce that into your spiritual uh, devotion and your personal life. And if you don't have one, we'll give you one. Just go to Guest Central today. We'll give you a Bible. If you want a nice one and you'll, re you'll read it, I'll pay for it. You come see me and I'll buy you a Bible. Amen? Don't get that. But you got a 30-day 30 30 money-back guarantee. If you don't read it for 30 days straight, then you got to give me the money back. <laughs> there you go. That's just, I threw that in at the end. Threw that in the end. Comes to me. There's a salesman in, ev in everyone. Anyway, here's the next thing. Set aside time. Set aside time. The more you dignify the value of God's word with appointment, the more you'll get out of it. The more you value and dignify God's word, the more you'll get out of it. Get an appointment to read God's word. So I, I saw my schedule. So I might have, you know, spend time with Stace. I might have, uh, you know, have certain appointments and people that I'm going to be with. But I also have to spend time with God. Five things I try to do every single day. Kind of a rule of five. And one of them is spend time in the word. It's in my calendar. And so if you dignify that in your calendar, I'm telling you, you'll do it more and you'll get more out of it as a result. La another one is have a plan. In other words, don't just... 
read your Bible, open it up, point, you know, pick and choose, peruse and cruise, whatever you want to call it. Like a lot of people are doing that. You're going to get discouraged. You're going to get to Leviticus and you're going to start reading about infectious skin diseases and it's out. You're going to be out. I'm out. So you need a reading plan. You need something that balances that diet. So if you're in Leviticus, you want to have a psalm that day. or You want to have a, 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 you know, a chapter from one of the Gospels. When that all comes together, then you're going to get more out of that in the process. And so we actually have a one-year Bible plan on our website. It's awesome. It's got a devotional for it, all the scriptures. You can get through it in a year. Like I said, you can do different reading plans. Get you a plan. I got a New Testament plan I'm on right now with the Gospels. You could do Psalms, 150 chapters in the book of Psalms. You could do five a day and be through it in a month. Proverbs, 31 chapters. You can do one a day, be through that in a month. There's a lot of plans. version has hundreds of reading plans on there. Get a plan. Can I get an amen? amen. So, and, and when you're there, don't just read it. Again, let it read you. Let the mirror of God's word speak to you. Every service we end usually something like this. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? So when you have your devotion with God at the end, say you're coming down that final five minutes, just say, God, what are you saying to me through your word? Let him speak to you. Oh, man, you'd be surprised what will happen if you take a moment and let God speak to you. That's what it's for. Uh, uh, Two more. Explore God's word. Explore God's word. You do that in a group with other people. One of the reasons people struggle with sin is because uh, they haven't hidden the word of God in their heart. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Notice it doesn't say just read logos or just listen to it. It says hide it in your heart. That's tucked in deep inside you. It's a part of who you are. Have you ever thought to yourself, why do I keep doing those things that I don't want to do? Has anybody ever thought that? I can't believe I said that again. I can't believe I went back to that again. I can't believe here I am again in the same place. A lot of it is because you haven't hidden the word of God in your heart. And so if you will marry reading it, exploring it, and applying it together even with other people, I'm telling you, the the miracle of this verse will happen in your life. Number three, I must apply its principles. James 1, powerful verse says, don't just listen to the word. What happens when you just listen? Here's the concern. When you get something as potent as the word of God on a Sunday morning and you don't do something with it, the Bible says you deceive yourselves. You think to yourself, oh, I checked the box. Oh, I'm okay. I went to church today. Oh, I got credit in some kind of scorecard in heaven. The Bible says, no, mm -mm, no. Do what it says. Do what it says. Otherwise, you become deceived by it. So how do you do that? Well, I don't know how you do it, but I, I, like to, I like to focus on a verse. So if you want to get real practical, I would just say to you, if you've got a problem in your life, does anybody have a problem in their life? Raise your hand if you've got a problem. Anybody got some problems? All God's children got problems and issues, and if you don't think so, that's your problem. <laughs> Everybody's got problems, okay? So you've got to look at your problem Listen, this is a great thing. And find a verse that connects with that problem. So if you're battling something, maybe it's a mental battle, maybe it's a, a relational battle. The, you know, you, you get your, 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. 
Amen. You get yourself a verse and you focus on it. If you've got a money problem, the Bible says that he'll supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Or Proverbs 3 that just says, give God the first fruits of everything you have. And then your barns will overflow and your, your, your vats will brim over with new wine. It basically says you'll be blessed in every single area of your life if you're afraid. Psalm 27, 1 and following just talks about he's a stronghold for those who are afraid. And in Psalm 91, he's a shield and buckler to us in our life. If you're sick, Psalm 103 tells us, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name, who forgives all my sins and what? Heals all my diseases. I don't know if you are afraid to go to the dentist. Get yourself a verse. Look at this verse. He will crown him in revelation with many crowns. <laughs> Psalm 8110 says, open wide thy mouth, thy mouth, and I will fill it. There's a verse for everybody. Come on, stand on your feet. Let me pray for you. There's a verse for everything. 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 Yeah. Super, super fast. Got to take 10 seconds or less. Let's pray. We will. Let's do that right now. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Amen. If you, got, if you need a miracle in your life, there's some kind of problem going on in your life, you need something that God to do in your life, why don't you just raise your hand? I just want to get that. And then just, then just put your hand on your heart. Let's believe God for a miracle. Father, for every single person that's in this room that's struggling, there's many people that have struggles, that need miracles in their life, Lord. I pray for a rhema word for people that are here. I thank you, Lord God, as we dwell on the promises of God. We meditate on the promises of God, that you give people a revelation like you gave the teenage girl Mary. And then, Lord God, faith would be activated, and then you would supply, that faith would come along your word, and that you would do miracles in people's lives. Whatever person, whatever situation, Lord, we lift up Kathy and her husband, Lord. We curse cancer in the name of Jesus. We curse it. We know where two or more are gathered in your name. There you are in the midst, and there are hundreds of people in this room. And we ask you for a miracle in the Mooney household, Lord Jesus. We know that you did miracles in glorious life and are continuing. We know you've done miracles in many people's lives. And we still believe in a God of miracles. And we ask, Lord God, that you send your word and you heal them. You send your word and you heal them. Even now, Lord, we ask that your healing power go to that household where they are. Even now, in this very hour, Lord Jesus, we ask for your miracle working power because she made 
made a, a, a statement of faith and she put it out there and we asked Lord God that you come through that you act without delay and hear that prayer in Jesus name and with every head bowed and every eye closed for a person that might be here today and like I've never been in a service like this and I don't really know what's happening but what I do know is I need more of this let me just tell you sir ma'am boy or girl what you need is you need it starts with the relationship with Jesus the thing that will change it all is not more information, it's more relationship. This isn't about a religion. Christianity is not about a religion. It's about Jesus Christ. And Jesus came into the world for you. And if you recognize that, that, that he's doing something, he's drawing you to himself, that's him. That's him. All you got to do is open the door of your heart and let him in. And without embarrassing you or calling you down front or calling you out in any way, but just right there in your seat. If you know you want to connect with Jesus in a personal way, you don't want to leave here today without having certainty that you're in right standing with God, that's why you're here. Would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me right now, boldly, good night. Don't miss it, don't miss it, good night. All over the room, don't miss it, don't miss it. That's incredible, good night. Thank you, Jesus. God sees your hand, I see your hand. You can put a hand down, that's great. That's so great, I'm so proud of you. What courage. Would you, would you say this prayer with me, those that raise your hand? And church, would you join them because this, you know you did this. This is important. It's still as it's, it's fresh today as it was the day you did it. Say this. Say, Jesus, today is my day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation for me. Come into my life. I want to know you. I want to see you. I want to be in relationship with you. Thank you for what you did for me. 2,000 years ago, I've received a revelation of what you did and now I believe I'm saved the father I pray you seal that prayer you make it real to them and the Bible says in heaven the angels are throwing a party and rejoicing and we decide right now as your church to rejoice with them come on let's all give the Lord a big hand clap all over the room amen amen